Good morning. How's everybody doing? Good. A beautiful day. Incredible, incredible day outside. Uh, so we've been working on the principle of the path. And so today I'd like to ask you, uh, do you remember a decision you made that you now regret? Do you remember a decision you made that you're like, oh man, I wish I could have that decision back. I wish I hadn't made that decision. Well, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to guess that uh, that decision had amazing emotional appeal when you first made that decision. You see, our worst decisions were fueled by something with strong emotional appeal. Something inside of you said, this is the greatest, this is the best, this is, here we go, I'm going to make this decision. You may have even said, you know, I may not be the wise, but it's worth it to make this decision. That there was something emotionally connected or you connected to that in an emotional way when you made that decision. Uh, I could probably go to almost any of your garages um, and find objects in your garage that when you bought that event, that, that piece, and it's, some of them are fairly expensive. Like you're like, this is awesome. It is worth the $500. It is worth the $750. And now it sits in your garage and it doesn't do anything. Now, you could have sold it a year later for a decent amount of money. But you were like, oh no, I spent so much money on it and it, it was gonna be so great and now it's 10 years. It's still sitting there. You still don't sell it because there's some kind of emotional appeal, some kind of emotional connection that says, ah, I need to hang on to that. Matter of fact, most of you live in houses much smaller than your actual house because you have all this stored stuff all over in your house. These, uh, this emotional appeal. And now, it's lost its appeal, right? That's why it's in the garage. It's lost its appeal. Do you remember when you spent all that money on that dream car? This is great. You bought the car. You brought it home. And you showed it to people. And the emotions were awesome because everybody who looked at the car was like, wow, amazing. You gave people rides in the car. And two years later, you're like, if I could get out from underneath this debt, if I could get out from underneath this payment, it loses its appeal. It starts with this really strong emotional appeal, but then it loses that. So we've been working on the principle of the path, that uh, direction, not intention, determines your destination. It doesn't matter how much you want to get somewhere. It doesn't matter that you, you're just like, I, this, is, this is where I want to end up. I really do. It doesn't matter emotionally how much you want to end up there. It doesn't matter your intent. This is what I, where I thought I would end up. It has everything to do with direction. Set your direction. You know where you're going to end up. You're going to end up wherever that path leads you. It's not intention. It's direction that determines your destination. You are where you are today because of the path you took yesterday. You are. You, you probably didn't plan on ending up where you are today. There's a number of things in your life you're like, I wish I hadn't ended up here. Oh no, poor me. No, you took a path. You, you took a path. Parents see this, they react um, to where your kids are headed not where they are. That's why a parent, when you're, you're doing okay in school and then your grades start to drop a little bit, your parent freaks out. Why do they freak out? Because your, break, gauge, your break, grades are just a little bit less than they were before? No. They think they see a direction. 
And like, wait, if that's the direction you're headed, that's not good. You got some wholesome friends you're hanging out with, you're doing good, and you, you, you bring home a couple of friends that aren't so wholesome, right? And your parents are like, whoa, what's going on? You're like, oh, you're so judgmental. What's the matter with you? Well, they see a direction. They, they know you're not in trouble right now. They know that. But the direction you're headed says you're going to end up in trouble. So they react before it happens because they want to help you avoid the trouble that's coming. The path to be avoided is always paved with strong emotional appeal. At the beginning of the series, we talked about the, this principle that you can't really fix relationship problems when they're broken. You can't mess up a relationship and then go, okay, I want to make it back like when it was brand new. You, you can't get married to somebody and go, okay, our, our relationship stinks. Uh, this is terrible. They're not who I thought they were. How do we fix this? Is there a counselor I can go to, and then, then it's like, a, like we're brand new? It doesn't really work that way. You can fix a car. You can fix your watch. You can fix... But you can't fix those things. They're part of your life. But they can be avoided. This whole series is about you grabbing a hold of this principle so that as you make decisions, you're making decisions based on not, oh, I'm going to blow it and then fix it. I'm going to avoid that trouble. I'm going, to, I'm going to take a path so I can avoid that trouble. But that trouble is always, that decision is always paved with strong emotional appeal. It's like this. It's newer. It's newer. Like, I, I'm going to get it because it's newer. There's a 25% return. You're like, this is amazing. We're going to be rich. You don't have that money now, but you are going to be rich because of that emotional appeal. Acceptance. When you're going to be accepted by a group, you will tend, that's a strong emotional appeal. This may not be the wisest thing to do, but look, I'm going to be accepted. It's faster. There's romance connected to it. I've heard more than one story of a couple that go, yeah, I, I, they're, they're really struggling now. They're like, well, how'd you decide to get married? Well, we went on a vacation to Puerto Rico, and it was so romantic. It was really awesome. And, and we came back, and we said, let's get married. And now, not so good. Because romance is such a strong emotional appeal. And then attention, bigger, desire. Desire's Desire can drive so many decisions in our lives, thinking we're going to satisfy that desire. Adventure, security. See, the strong, strong emotional appeal, it, it, it's there. And this is what it does. It lowers our defenses and raises our defensiveness. It lowers our defenses, raises our defensiveness. I was uh, headed somewhere. Uh, last week or the week before, and I took 46 off the parkway, and, and you go down, and I needed to turn and, and go this way, and there was a long line of traffic, and the time was getting shorter, and I hate sit, sitting in line anyway. I just hate it. And so I'm like, yeah. So I pulled over to the side thing so I could come up and take this little turn right here, and it was only like seven cars up. Um, I've seen lots of other people do it. And so I, I took it and went across the white line and went up to the corner and made the turn and they started a party just for me. Like they had lights and everything. It was red and blue. It was really going. They started this party just for me. And they were excited that I was there. And so they, uh, 
they pulled me over and he goes, hey, you, you know, you, you crossed the yellow line. I'm like, I, I, yellow, white line, what? I, I, I didn't see it. Now I thought back through, I was like, no, I, I think I did see it. I just thought it didn't matter, right? And, oh, by the way, uh, you may follow traffic laws because you're a really great person. I follow traffic laws so I don't get a ticket. That's why I do it. Right? I don't want to get a ticket. That's why I follow the laws. I make my decisions based on, I don't want to get a ticket. And the defense lowered because the emotion went up. Right? Time pressure is this great emotional thing that causes us to make really bad decisions. Right? This emotional thing. So, I've come up with this picture I think is going to help you to be able to grab a hold of this and be able to interact with this for when you're out there living your life. Emotional appeal comes from right here. It comes from your stomach. This right here, it's right just below your rib cage, maybe right in there. And whenever something looks really good, this starts to go boom, 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 or draw, or clinch, or right? I, 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 need, I want to be able to do that. That's, that's your gut. And then, there's your heart. Now, for what we're going to talk about today, the heart is the place where you have conviction. Your heart is actually connected to your brain. You are able to think through what is true, what, where do I want to end up, what path do I want to take, and what do I want to follow along the way. There are some of you few of you, but there's a few, maybe at least one of you that has a conviction about speeding. Again, my only conviction is I don't want to get caught. Right? I don't want to get a ticket. Unless you're in the hundred range, I don't, I don't want to go that fast. I have a conviction about that. So, but some of you may have a conviction about speeding. So somebody else rides with you and they try to put pressure on you to go faster because we're going to be late and it's more fun and there are no cops around, but you have a conviction. That comes from here. It's the connection of these two things. You have made a decision that you're not going to speed. It doesn't matter what anybody says or what anybody does. You're staying on that path. That comes from the heart. But this... This comes from emotion. Now, in our culture, we've confused love, and we've said that the heart is the same as the gut. That if you feel it, it's your heart. But that's not true. And as we talk about this today, when emotion, the strong emotional appeal, appeal comes, you'll, you lower your defenses. You're willing to take risks you wouldn't take before. I say you're willing to be blinded. You're willing to not see the danger. You're willing to do that because of the strong emotional appeal. Good parenting takes consistent discipline. It takes consistent coaching. It takes consistent teaching. You've been out somewhere. It's starting to get late. You come home, and it's time to go through the pattern that you go through to put your child to bed. Your heart says conviction. This is how we do it. This is what's best for them. This is what we've decided. 
This says, oh, it's late. Oh, not tonight. They start to act up. Oh, they're tired, and I'm tired. So discipline right now is just not worth it. Where's that all come from? Right here. Not here. It lowers our defenses. It also raises our defensiveness. So if I bring, you bring somebody home, and, and you're like, okay, I'm going to, uh, uh, it's, it's someone you, you're not so sure about, and you made this decision to start hanging out with this person, and another friend of yours goes, hey, uh, what's going on with that relationship, man? He's like, stay out of my business. What business is of yours? You're so judgmental. We're defensive. We're, we're not, we don't want to hear that. Have you ever started to go down a path that you were a little bit wishy-washy about, and someone comes along and goes, hey, that's not good, and now they're your enemy? right? They're just trying to ruin your fun life. They're trying to mess up your life. Why? Because you're not going to hear it. What does that? Strong emotional appeal. That's what does it. So the heart says, and, and men, this is true for many of you. You have said, I want to be the best husband I could possibly be. Wives who have said, I want to be the best wife I could possibly be. That's my intention. That's what I want to do. I'm going to be a great parent. Everything else in my life, I'm going to learn how to be a great parent. That's what I'm going to do. That's the conviction of my heart. There we go. That is, those are incredible paths. They're incredible paths. But strong emotional appeal comes along and goes, no, no. Let's go a different direction. Let's make decisions on something other than your convictions. If you're distracted by what's on the path, you will be distracted from where the path is taking you. In other words, the fact that you set that path and away you go, right? There are all kinds of things on the path that will distract you. You're living your life to be that man. You're living your life to be that woman, to be that friend. There's all kinds of things on a day-to-day -day basis that are trying to distract you, that are inviting you from taking that path. If you're distracted on what's on the path, you'll opt for the appealing over the satisfying. You'll opt for the appealing over the satisfying. The man who says, I'm going to love my wife She's, she's going to wake up every morning and know she's the most loved woman in the world. But on your computer or on your phone, there's these women that keep showing up. And you, you, you are what? Strong emotional appeal to begin to look. And it's like, that has nothing to do with that. It has nothing. I'm still on the path. I'm still, here, here we go. I'm going I'm to be a godly woman. That's, that's, that's my goal. That's what I want to do. I want to love my husband. But there's this guy at work that just keeps showing you so much attention. And so you begin to interact with that. You, no, you, don't, you, don't, you, don't, you wouldn't even think of an affair. But you begin to interact with that and go in that direction. What are you going to do? You're going to go for the appealing. You're going to go for that strong emotional. It's going to pull you away from the path. Now, here's something that's really interesting about this. On your GPS, you can be on a highway, 
And you can be on a path, and you can take a merge off of the highway. Does your GPS know it when you get off? It doesn't know it. If it's a long merge, it'll get off just like this. GPS will keep talking to you as if you're on the highway. You're not. You're not on the highway. The goal of the emotional appeal is to get you to think you're still on the highway, and then when it's too late, you're off the path. You're like, I I don't understand what happened. At this point in the path, I don't understand what happened. Well, yeah, you merged. You, you, You took the appealing at that point. We're going to take a look at a passage that works through to try to try to give you a tool as to, okay, well, how would I recognize it? How would I recognize that I've begun to grab a hold of the appealing instead of going for the satisfying, instead of getting to where I want to go? He says, you, my brothers and sisters, so he's talking about the church. He's talking about those who've accepted Christ as their savior. You may be here this morning and have not taken that step yet, and so some of the stuff we're going to talk about is, the, is you actually get on this path by coming to trust Christ as your personal Savior. And we love that you're here and we love that you, um, we don't love that you haven't made the decision yet, but we love that you are investigating that, that decision. He says, you, my brothers and sisters, were called to be free. If you, if you, if you read that, you're like, whoa, I thought being a Christian was all about following the rules. I thought it was about get on the path and you stay on the path by checking the rules and staying on the rules and always doing what's right and being living this, in a sense, boring life because you just stay on the rules. He says you're free. Now, we'll, we'll touch on this a little bit more, but we, we don't have all the time to be able to do it. If you hang around Skyline long enough, you'll find out exactly what that means. But in the short term, it means this. Jesus Christ died for you to break all the rules. He paid for it. He paid for you to break every and all rules. Not so you would, but because you have. And so now you don't relate to Jesus based on whether or not you keep the rules. You're free. The Bible really teaches, the New Testament teaches a crazy principle. You're free to go do anything and everything you want. And Christ still has this relationship with you because he paid for you. And then he says, but do not use your freedom to indulge the flesh. You, you are free. You're going to still have the relationship, but don't do that to feed the flesh. What's the flesh? It's this. It moves around in your body, right? But it's this. It's the strong emotional appeal. It almost always comes from here. It might come from other places at specific times according to certain distractions, but it basically is this. Rather serve one another humbly in love. Where does that come from? Right there. You're going to be the man you dream of being? It comes from humbly loving your wife. It comes from staying on that path. And you make that decision, and it doesn't matter what anybody else says. That's what I'm going to do. It doesn't matter what else is out there for me to grab a hold of. That's what I'm going to do. So I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the flesh desires, the flesh desires what is contrary to the Spirit, and the Spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They are in conflict with each other, so that you, so that you are not, excuse me, they're in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. We'll grab a hold of the second part in just a second. 
So this goes back to the merge, right? You're on the highway, right? You're on the highway. And emotional appeal tells you you can take a slight merge and stay on the same path. You can. It says you can. You can love your wife and look at that stuff. You can love your husband and be disgusted with him. You can put your kids first and just hope they do best. And, you know, it's, there's so much going on in my life, and I got so much going on in my life, and I'm just going to trust what I've learned about parenting, and away we go. You, you, can, you can do all that. You're going to be fine. You're still on the same path. No, you're not. Why? Because the flesh and the spirit are opposites. They're opposite directions. Sometimes we, we in, 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 even, even we do it sometimes. That came out wrong. Like we're really good, but sometimes we still do it. But anyway, this message that you can follow Christ and still live your same life, you just need to make a few little adjustments is a lie. It's a bold-faced lie. Why? Because the spirit, the heart, and the flesh are opposites. They're going in opposite directions. They're at war with each other. And then he says, so that you are not to do whatever you want to do, because earlier you said you're free to do whatever you want to do. He says, but, but you, you don't want to do whatever you want to do. How come? Because the flesh and the spirit are in conflict. You wouldn't want to follow what the flesh says. Why? Because it's at war. It's going to take you in the exact opposite direction of the spirit. And then he says this, if you're led by the spirit, you're not under the law. The law, they had 661 laws, the, Jew, the Jewish uh, people did, which is a lot of these people come out, came out of Judaism. They had 661 laws. They grew up in their life going, okay, can I do this or not do this? Check the law. I can. Well, I can't. They lived their lives checking the Bible to find out, can I do this? Can I not do this? Can I do this? That was their life. They feared what God would do to them if they stepped out of that. They feared they would lose their relationship with God. Or some of you grew up with this. You step out of line, zip. He's going to zap you. He's going to hurt you. A number of you have said to yourself, oh no, this bad thing is happening in my life because I did this bad thing over here. Believing you've been zapped because of that. This says, but if you are led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. You're free. So, this is an interesting idea, right? So, you shouldn't do whatever you want, but you're free if you're led. I probably am not going to have to convince you of this. What happens in your life when you do whatever you want? Remember being in junior high and you're and maybe this happened to you younger, but your parents left and you knew they were gone for a long time and you invited your friends over to do whatever you wanted? How'd that go? Not good. Alcohol, do whatever you want. You can't even remember the bad stuff you did when you did whatever you wanted. Sexual pleasure, do whatever you want. It, it doesn't end well, does it? Why? Because this never leads you to a good place. 
But to be led by the Spirit of God is freedom. Why? Because the Spirit of God is always going to take you where you really want to end up. To be led by the Spirit of God is freedom. The greatest freedom in the world, the greatest thing in the world is to get on a highway that you know takes you where you want to go. It's awesome. Just follow the highway. You get to even enjoy the journey. But you don't have to worry about where you're going to end up. If you're led by the Spirit, you're not under the law. You don't have to fear what's going to happen next. So the question is not, which we often ask, can I do this or not do this? And I really would like you to kind of interact with your own heart. Do you interact with God based on, can I do this or can I not do this? I mean your day-to-day life. Do you decide how you're going to live your life based on, what's God think about this? Can I do this or can I not do this? Does God say I can do this or not do this? Sometimes people will, will come to me and go, um, in our church, can we do this or not do this? Right? Because they want to know, is it, is it okay for me to do this or not do this? Do you live your life that way? I mean, think about your real life, Right? The question is not, can I do this or can I not do this? The question is, what does love require of me? The question is, is this the love that God has told me and asked me to follow? Is this loving? Now, when we use the word love, you can't use the world's word for love. The world's words for love is this. How will you know? How will you know he's the one? Oh, you'll just know. (laughs) Right? Do you remember? Do you remember the first time you thought you really fell in love? You're like, I didn't know it could feel like this. This is awesome. Two weeks later, it felt very different, but... Remember that, that first time when that happens, right? That's not love. Love is what God has defined love to be and what God has shown us in the way that he lived and interacted with people. So what does the love of God, what does the love of the Spirit require of me? What direction am I going to head in? Am I going to go in the direction of love? Is this, and and when I say loving, I don't mean nice. Because loving's not always nice. I mean, this is what God is leading, and he has said is love. So the acts, he goes on to say, so the acts of the flesh are obvious. Sexual immorality, impurity, and debauchery. Idolatry. Idolatry is anything that you are seeking or think will give you what only God can give you. So if you think you're going to find purpose in something, if I accomplish this, if I follow this, if I'm part of this group of this, part of, the, of this group of people, that's idolatry. Your car can be an idol. Why? Because my car sets me apart, and, and people know I'm cool in my car, and your, your Gucci bag 
can be an idol. Like, I don't actually worship, well, some of you actually do, but I don't, wor- I don't get on my knees and worship that idol, but y- y- you really do think this is it. This is what sets me apart. This is, kind of defines who I am. For many of you, your careers can be your idol. You, you're like, I am somebody because look at what I've accomplished and, and you know what it is oftentimes when you're very defensive of it. You're very defensive of it. You protect it. You worship it. And witchcraft, hatred, discord, jealousy, fits of rage, selfish ambition, dissensions, factions, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. Now, you can read these as a list of do's and don'ts. Can I do the orgy on Friday? No. All right. Can I do the uh, debauchery? I saw debauchery and I looked it up on the, yep, no. Or you can look at this as a direction. You see, I'm headed in the direction of sexual immorality. The question isn't can I look at this or can I not look at this? The question is when I look at this, what direction am I going? In your entertainment, and you look at this entertainment, what direction are you going when you choose that movie and that song and that, oh, it's okay, it doesn't have, one, it doesn't have any cuss words in it, it just has, okay, I got it. What direction are you going? When you make decisions with your career and the way you interact with people, what direction are you headed in? He says, I warn you, as I did before, that those who live like this will not inherit the kingdom of God. The call today is not to stop a behavior. It's to identify that behavior as a direction. The call on your life today is not to change a specific behavior. It's to recognize the reason that you chose that behavior is because it was so appealing. It drew you in. It fed something inside of you. And it's headed in a certain direction. What would it mean to live in a different direction? To begin living in a different direction? He says, but the fruit of the Spirit is love. That's a direction. Am I, am I interaction with this person based on love? Joy. Peace. You've been looking for peace and you keep asking God for peace. Are you taking directions toward peace? Or do you keep grabbing appealing things that just destroy peace? Do you keep interacting with relationships in such a way it just destroys peace? Forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. Against such things, there is no law. Why do you say that? Because you don't have to check. When you head in these directions, you don't have to check. Is this the right thing or the wrong thing? You don't have to spend your life going, is this okay? Is this okay? Is this okay? Against such things, you don't even think about the law. Why? Because the direction you're headed in 
is going to get you where you want to go. You're following the Spirit of God. You're following God. Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its passions and desires. Since we live by the Spirit, let us keep in step with the Spirit. Take the direction of the Spirit. Let us not become conceited, provoking, and envying each other. So, one rule. Is this the direction of love? Not ooey-gooey love. God's love. What does the Bible say about this? Not to check the rule, but to go, is this the direction that God has me for? See, when it comes to entertainment, and you decide that you're going to head in the, if you're a parent, and it comes to entertainment, and you decide you're in the direction of love, you want your children to be able to follow God, it just wipes out about seven-eighths of all entertainment. You don't have to have a discussion about it. Why? Because it's headed in the wrong direction. Well, I'm just going to come this far. Okay, maybe. But there's no way you're going to end in this direction going that way. Most things in your life become pretty simple when you're like, which direction is it taking me? One rule is this love. Am I following the Spirit? Which leads to no regret. Why? Because you end up where you wanted to go. Because you end up being that man. You end up being that woman. You end up being that friend. You end up handling your life that way. I want to introduce to you uh, something. We're, going to kind of, we're not jumping off the rails in any, any sense, but uh, we've been talking about kids going to camp, and we interacted with them or, uh, about, hey, how can we raise money for, for us to be able to do this? It's pretty expensive. It's the first time we've ever done this. Um, and so I said, look, why don't you make a couple videos? Our people love to give, and so let's just let them know that these kids are going to camp, and they would love for you to be able to, uh, to help them get there. So take a look at these videos. Hi, my name is Sophia Turo. I'm 13 years old. I'm the youngest of five siblings. My parents are Michael and Monique Turo. I really like to babysit and to like draw and artistic things like that and do my makeup. Um, I'm homeschooled, so I'm here doing school with my mom and my brother and my sister. Um, I really want to go to camp because I feel like God is calling me to go and that will be a great experience for me and I will have such a fun time and I'm excited to make new friends and grow even closer to my best friend, Trisha, who's going with me. Um, yeah. Ireland. Okay, my name is Stephanie. My name is Ebony. And we have six siblings together. Our parents' names are Stephanie and Alex Aguilar. We want to go to church camp <laughs> together in Michigan. Together. Together. <laughs> because. because I want to learn more about Christ. And because my parents are making me. And we're hoping that we can yeah. get more, we can get friends out of the church, <laughs> out of the church camp and learn more and come out with knowledge. And we want to go with each other. I said, no, no, no. You said, <laughs> okay. We didn't ask him to produce it. We just asked him to, to, to answer a few questions. And uh, the, they're going to do another piece. So you can just, uh, it costs like $500 a kid, but you can, you can just 
donate to that through concierge. You can do it through your regular giving kind of thing and just note it for that. But they're also going to do some babysitting nights, June 14th, 15th, and 21st, 6 to 9 p.m. And so this is what you can do. One, you can apply what we've been just talking about today, guys, and go in the right direction and have a date night, right? That's a good direction. Um, and your kids drop them off here and they take good care of them. Um, or you say, I don't have any kids. This is what you can do. You could actually hire date night for another couple. And that way you're giving them a date night and you're sending kids to camp. Is that the right direction or what? That, that's good. So you, either way, uh, it's like $30 for the, the, for the first child, 15 for each additional. But if you're like, I, I, I can't really afford that, trust me. We can wheel and deal. We'll, we'll get you in there. And uh, keep moving. Why would I talk about that now? Because camp sets conviction in a kid's heart. There are a number of people who tell stories about how when they went away to camp, they interacted with God and he called them to a specific direction. And they said yes. It it's allows them to, to ground that into their hearts and lives. So that when they come back and all these other things, all these appealing things are grabbing at them, they have something solid, a solid conviction in their hearts. It's a gift for you to be able to be a part of helping a kid set that kind of direction in their lives. So what I'd like you to do now is to interact with this question. Have you become so enamored? And after service, somebody asked me, one of the teenagers said, what's enamored? <laughs> enamored is something that when you're walking along, you go, oh, that's pretty. I like that. Look at, come here. This is pretty. Or some of us go, oh, that smells really good. <laughs> enamored is something that grabs your attention. And what we learned today, that is, Usually, enamoring things have very strong emotional appeal. Have you become so enamored with something or someone on your path that you failed to recognize where the path you're on is taking you? Do you have great intentions, but you just, you, you just keep grabbing other things? You keep merging off just a little bit while you're telling everybody, even yourself, no, I'm on the same path. Are you trying to mix the two things and bring them together? We're going to pray, and as we do, I'm, I'm going to pray this prayer. I'm going to ask you as I pray this to say, Jesus, have I become so enamored with these things? Let's pray together. Jesus, is there anything in my life that I've become so enamored with that it's caused me to leave the path of following you? But I, 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 I don't even recognize it. I haven't even seen it. Jesus, would you show that to me? Lord, in my day-to-day -day life, in my relationships, is there something or someone 
I've been following. That if I stay on that path, it's going to cost me where you want to take me. Lord, I pray for each one of us to let go of the appealing that we might follow you to the satisfying. In your name we pray.